Nation, Rob McGregor welcome you to a place where all kinds of phenomena flourish. Voices whisper, ancient secrets, signs and symbols are abundant. UFOs, ETs, ghosts, and even the dead move about freely. Here we meet authors, researchers, and investigators of the mysterious, the strange, and of the inexplicable anomalies that surround us. Step out of the everyday world and take a journey into the mystical underground. Welcome to the Mystical Underground. Thank you for joining us. This is Rob McGregor. And Trish McGregor. And our tech magician, John Posey. You can go to themysticalunderground.com where we make regular posts and where you can find out about our books. Our most recent nonfiction book is Phenomena, Harnessing Your Psychic Abilities. Trisha's latest novel is Skin Shifters. Rob's latest novel is Tulpas. Our guest today is Sharon Hewitt Roulette, who's a writer and philosopher fascinated by coincidences, those strange enigmatic experiences that are so often personally meaningful and yet push the boundaries of what we consider scientifically possible. Her May 2019 book, The Source and Significances of Synchronicities, presents a wealth and evidence concerning the statistical significance of coincidences, their range of probable causes, and how we can best interpret their implications for our lives. She also wrote about coincidences on her Psychology Today blog, Mysteries of the Conscious of Consciousness. And she has presented some of her most recent research at the Division of Perceptual Studies, DOPS, at the University of Virginia School of Medicine. Welcome, Sharon. Thanks, Trish. I'm so happy to be here. Your book is so comprehensive that it, Rob and I had a challenge trying to figure out where to start. So let's start with the <laughs> odd France coincidence that occurred while you were in the mountains of central Pennsylvania with France. I found that story fascinating. Well, that's a great place to start because that's really where my journey got interesting. Because <laughs> I'd been interested in coincidences for, I don't know, five years or so before that. But they had all been kind of um, things that I felt were significant, but that weren't the kind of thing that you could like tell someone else and they would really understand the full significance right. of it. But when this GPS thing happened, um, that was something I started talking about and really needing to figure out for myself. Um, and that's really the reason I ended up writing the book. So... Mm. This happened, uh, this was back in 2015. Uh, I was, um, had a weekend away with some old college friends up in the mountains of Pennsylvania, a few hours from where I live. And we get together every year and it's always a whole bunch of fun, um, but in different places. And so this was the first time we had been in this particular area of Pennsylvania. And one day we needed to go out and get some groceries and we didn't really know where to go. We were like in the state park and had no idea where the nearest grocery store was. So we drove around a little bit. Um, a friend of mine and myself, we drove around a little bit hoping we would run into something. We didn't. And so finally she pulled over and she asked her phone to show her the nearest grocery stores. Yeah. Um, so she gave it a voice command, told it, you know, where are the nearest grocery stores? And then because she was the one driving, she handed me her phone so that I could look at the results and then, you know, direct uh -huh. her where we needed to go. So she hands me the phone. It's uh, when she gives it to me, it's got a list of grocery stores there in Pennsylvania. 
And I want to see it on a map so that I can figure out what's the easiest one mm-hmm. for us to get to. So I hit the map button and it takes a, you know, a couple minutes or well, not a couple minutes, probably 30 seconds to load because we're out in the boonies. And when the map finally comes up, it is not showing me the grocery stores that were on the list. <laughs> it is now showing me five French grocery stores <laughs> Um, all, um, in towns with French names. Now I should give a little background to this. Um, France is, uh, my second home. Um, it's my, my second country, um, after the U S I have a lot of, I've lived there for several years. I have a lot of, um, close connections to that country. And, but at the time that this happened, I had been back living in the States for five years and had really been missing France a great deal. I've been wondering whether I was ever going to be able to live there again. Uh, and I had also been, uh, thinking a lot about, um, I, in my book, I call him um, my French friend. Um, he's actually my ex-fiance that I write about in my memoir that came mm-hmm. out afterward. At the time, I wasn't ready to go into all of that. <laughs> but um, now I, I'm more open about it since having written everything up in the memoir. So so at the, the time that this coincidence happened, I was France was just always on my mind. Um, and so was, uh, my ex cause I was out of touch with him as well. And just wondering, you know, what was going uh-huh. on in his life. So I, I, I don't think I can overstate how obsessed I was with this at this point, honestly. <laughs> so I, I have all these questions that have been swirling around in my mind, you know, for weeks. And then I, this phone that I have touched <laughs> once in my entire life, I, all I have done is pressed the map button, <laughs> it <laughs> pops up, um, these grocery stores in France. So, so yeah, I, yeah, I, I don't have that many weird experiences. You might be surprised <laughs> to know, you know, most, I feel like most parapsychologists, like they just, they're surrounded by, uh, <laughs> by, by weird experiences. <laughs> I, I'm not really like coincidences are pretty much as weird as it gets for me most of the time. Uh, so this was really strange for me. And I recognized the name of one of the towns on this map. I didn't know where it was in France, but it just rang a bell. And so it stuck in my mind. And a few days later, when I had gotten home, I decided to Google it to see where it was. Because part of me also wondered, well, maybe it's going to turn out to be like in French Canada or something, and it won't be that great (laughs) of a coincidence after all. So I wanted to know where it was. So I Google it, and it turns out that uh, the town was Carré. And it turns out that it's in the region of Brittany in France, which is where my ex and I lived uh, together, where he still lives. And when I saw that, not only was, I mean, that was pretty astounding, but I just knew when I saw that, that there was even more to this coincidence than I had realized. I knew that this had to be like pointing me to where he was on that day Mm -hmm. somehow. Hmm. But being out of touch with him for so long. um, And also I was, I've, I'm married to someone else now. I didn't really feel at liberty (laughs) to communicate with him. I didn't think that was a good idea. Um, So I was like, well, I don't know. I mean, how do I, how will I ever know whether he was there or not? Well, I just decided to Google his name and the date and thought, well, I mean, he's a writer too. So I thought, well, maybe, you know, something will come up. And lo and behold, I get a page from his blog, uh, something that he had posted a few months 
previous where he listed some events that he was going to be attending. And one of them was on the very day of this coincidence that happened with the phone. And it said that he was going to be in this town, Kergloff. Again, I didn't know where that was, so I Googled that. (laughs) Kergloff is two miles away from the center of Kai. Oh, my God. (laughs) So so if he had been, you know, there that day and he had Googled where the closest grocery stores were, it would have (laughs) shown him that grocery store in Kai that I saw on my phone. That is real. So So that's really, oh, I mean, that's like a, I guess that's a technology synchro. So what's the meaning of that for you? But is well, there your yearnings to return, or uh, yes, that's definitely a big part of it. Um, it well, was a reflection act- of what you were thinking about, too, right? It was so. So actually, in the weeks after that, like I kept reflecting on it. I was like, well, is this like did I create this coincidence? Like it's mm-hmm. just kind of you know reflecting the fact that I'm obsessed with this, or is it telling me? Is it like reassuring me? Yes. You know, you will go back to France one day. That's still an important part of your life. Um, Was it somehow my ex trying to communicate something about me? Or was it just symbolizing the fact that we were still connected on some level? Mm. Um, So I, I just was talking, well, yeah, talking to myself mostly about this for the next several, (laughs) (laughs) next several weeks. But the thing was, that was really only the first coincidence in this huge series of coincidences that dogged me for, a, I guess it was five weeks after that, like just would not let up, um, things related to France and things related to my ex. Mm. And eventually I couldn't take it anymore. I mean, emotionally it was just, um, huh. I, I came to the point where I was like, well, I just have, I just have to write to him. I, you know, and I, I talked to my husband about it and he was like, okay. Um, yeah, thanks for telling me. <laughs> let's <laughs> uh, let's figure out what's going on. So, um, so I eventually wrote to my ex, and uh, it turned out that I guess it was it was maybe a week after the the coincidence, the mm-hmm. main GPS thing, that he had his first child. Oh my gosh! And. So he wrote me this lovely email just telling me about, you know, all the things that had been going on in his life. And it was an incredibly healing experience Hmm. Uh, having, having been out of touch with him for so long. And we had, you know, we had parted on good terms. I mean, it was a, it was a difficult separation, but we still cared very much for each other. And it was hard for us not to, to be in communication, even though we both had to move on with our own lives. Hmm. And, um, being able to just have this brief communication at that time and being able to share his joy in becoming a father, it it was just amazing. And I really did feel after that, that that coincidence has happened in order to reestablish that communication, to get me to talk to him at this important juncture in his life. Uh, That's just incredible. Yeah, I had the feeling while you were talking at the beginning part of this that it had more to do with the person than the country, but maybe it's a combination of the two. Yeah, I think at the time it was primarily the person, but I also have a huge number of coincidences that are primarily related to the country. So it kind of, it fits Mm -hmm. into both categories in my life. Um, So uh, Sharon, your book extends... Uh, the nature of coincidences, uh, meaningful coincidences, far beyond what uh, most people would consider 
as coincidences and into the world Except of for us. <laughs> uh, into, into the world of communication with the dead, psychokinesis, out of body travel, and other realms of uh, what it's normally considered the paranormal. Uh, so do you consider synchronicity to be like an umbrella term that covers all paranormal phenomena? No, I don't think so. Um, the reason I talk about so many different phenomena in my book is because I'm trying to provide a context for understanding mm -hmm. this more narrow uh, phenomenon of coincidence or synchronicity. Mm -hmm. uh, because... Coincidence itself, I think, is is also it. It is an umbrella term. I think it it covers all of those sort of odd events that aren't blatantly supernatural um, mm -hmm. or paranormal, but that we feel have some kind of deeper meaning and it may be indicative of some more subtle order to the world that we don't mm -hmm. understand yet. So, I feel like the, there are lots of different causes for coincidences and synchronicities. And, and some of them, for instance, could be uh, caused by communication with the dead. That, that, that mm -hmm. is a way in which the spirits of the deceased communicate to us is mm -hmm. through causing these little events that happen mm -hmm. in our life. So in order to, to kind of make the case for the fact that, yes, really some of these coincidences could be caused by, you know, spirits of the deceased, I wanted to give this larger context of all of these other kinds of even more paranormal interactions with the deceased. Yeah. <clears throat> Why would the dead communicate through coincidence with us? Any idea? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, no, it's an excellent question because it does a, seem like sub, they've got... It's a subhead in your book, too. <laughs> right. So they've got all of... The, it, it turns out, I mean, there are lots of other more direct ways for them to communicate right. with us. So apparitions are very common uh, for people to actually see their loved ones um, mm. in front of this, in front of them, usually very briefly. Um, dreams are, are even more common. Um, but certainly with dreams, it's very easy, it's very easy for us to just say, well, that was my imagination. Um, mm. And even apparitions, especially when you get some distance from them, it's like, well, Maybe I was hallucinating. Maybe, uh -huh. you know, my mind was creating this. And coincidences, the ones that I, that I find the most fascinating are the ones where something happens in the material world and, and often is witnessed by someone else um, in a way that you can't say, no, that didn't happen. Right. Like it, it definitely happened. Um, and so it causes you, you have to focus on it more you have your brain has to puzzle about it longer uh -huh. and you can't just you can't just say that you're imagining it you um can't just dismiss it yeah but i also so i think one reason that the deceased could use coincidences is, is in that way to to get us to realize it's not just your imagination i'm really here mm -hmm. uh, but also i think there are there are limits to the way that the the spirits of the deceased are allowed to interact with us like mm. it, that there we have a certain task that we're here on earth to accomplish that this world is uh we have a, a destiny and this world as a whole has a destiny it's meant to provide certain kinds of experiences for us and if we were constantly communicating back and forth in very clear terms with people <laughs> on the other side we wouldn't have the experiences that we need to have here right. and so 
it's like coincidences are a way for the the deceased to just give us a little nudge and be like, yep, I'm here. Like Mm -hmm. I'm here, but, um, without, without getting us off track from, from our larger purpose. I like that story you had where, uh, somebody was taking a picture of family and the husband had died. And in the center of the picture, there was, in the background, there was a, a truck or something moving, or a boat. Where yeah, it was a boat. Of the boat. Right, yeah, and it had uh, the letters of his nickname, uh, and, and it appeared in the photo right between the f- uh, family members. Yeah, cool. yeah, the, the woman and her son were, like, on vacation, and, and the, the father of the family had died, and they, they had no idea when they took the photograph that there was this boat behind them that just said hmm. Max on it. And all you That's can great. see between the two of them is the word Max. Yeah, my mother had a similar event like that. Uh, after my father died, his nickname was Mac, M-A-C, <laughs> short for McGregor, and he, Mac appeared uh, in the window of the study uh, of the frost. It was winter, and there was frost on the window. And this chair where he sat and uh, read books day after day, uh, the window right next to it appeared uh, Mac, like scratched in the in, in the, the frost. frost. <laughs> oh. Yeah. I don't know how they do that, but. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Sharon, I have, uh, one of the things that we've talked about in the Coincidence Project is the fear sometimes, people sometimes experience when they're having so many synchronicities, they feel like they're going crazy. Um, Talk to us about that fear, because it seems to me that you, during those five weeks, you had that cluster of synchronicities. You Mm -hmm. also felt that anxiety or what? you know, yeah. fear that maybe you were losing your mind or something. <laughs> <laughs> yes, there were definitely moments like that. Um, so I'm fortunate in that I don't have a history of mental illness, either in my <laughs> life or my family. I, I, no, I, but I, I'm, <laughs> I'm being so sincere in this because, uh, because I do feel like I have a, a pretty strong, like, grounding. I, I don't normally feel knocked off kilter by things. Mm-hmm. I don't have a lot of, you know, traumas in my life. Like I've, um, so for me, this was, it was very new to sort of have this, uh, reality testing, (laughs) reality checking sort of experience. And I think what was so difficult for me during that time, and, and maybe as part of what, um, makes other people as well have this, this fear of going crazy is that these, coincidences, it wasn't just that, you know, things were happening in my environment that reflected things that I was thinking or feeling, but it was, they were particularly reflecting things that I was trying to, to repress. Like Uh I was trying not to, to, to have to contact this person from my past. Like I was trying not to worry about, uh, whether I was going to go back to France. Uh, So but these emotions that were so strong there, these, these coincidences wouldn't let me forget them. It kept bringing that to the fore. So in addition to the fact that I didn't know what was going on, you know, in the physical world, um, I didn't, I didn't know how to deal with these emotions. And I felt out of control Mm -hmm. on that emotional level. Uh, And I think that's true for so many coincidence experiences that people have that, when our thoughts and feelings start manifesting in the physical world, 
or mm-hmm. in other sorts of coincidences and synchronicities, they do that because there's something that needs to be dealt with that we have been trying not to deal with. Mm-hmm. Fascinating. So yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think. Oh, I know. You. Uh, one of the things. One of one of the chapters in your book. I can't remember which one. <clears throat> you talk about stories about the un the unborn producing physical effects. Mm-hmm. You know, among people who, I guess, they're going to be born to. Yes. That's awkward, but (laughs) you know what I mean. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. This was one of the most um, surprising things for me that came out of my research because I hadn't heard many stories about coincidences caused by the unborn until I I started doing this research. But what I discovered is that there really is this continuum between after-death communication and pre-birth communication, Mm -hmm. which, I mean, anybody who is familiar with... um, memories of past lives, the, the reincarnation right. literature won't be super surprised by that. That was something that I didn't know that much about. So I had a lot to learn. Um, but you do find just like you find people after death communicating through coincidences, dreams, apparitions, you find that n- souls that are going to be born into a family will often talk to their future parents through dreams, uh, will sometimes appear as apparitions, uh, and also will sometimes use coincidences. Hmm. So one of my, uh, one of the cases that I found, um, when I was researching this book, that's actually from, uh, the more scholarly literature on this, this was a case that was investigated. I forget the investigator's name, but it was written up in the journal of scientific exploration a few years ago. Um, it was a case of, Parents, same family reincarnation. So um, this woman had had her six-year-old child die of leukemia, I think. And that's something Carol Bowman investigated. Was that her? This was not her. This was actually a Japanese case. Oh, okay. But but yeah, she she has investigated a lot of these same family cases. Um, I don't think, I don't recall any that involved coincidences, or at least that where she's mentioned it. Um, but this one was a Japanese case and this child had died in the family. And I think it was a decade later, it was 10 years later um, uh, when this, this woman's new child. So let's see, I think it was five years after the death of the first child, she got pregnant again with this other child. And when this child was almost five years old, um, the child was, sorry, this is a complicated case. Okay, let me go back again. <laughs> so before before her first child died of leukemia, um, her the child said that after death she was going to write her mom a letter, and it was going to say, uh, "Are you okay? Aren't you lonely?" For whatever mm-hmm. reason, that's that's what she was going to write in her letter. So then, ten years later, she has this son, and he's you know drawing something like pretending to write on this piece of paper and he tells his mom he's written her a letter and she looks at it and she can't decipher what he's written. Like it doesn't make any sense. So she asks him, well, what did you say to me in your letter? And he said, it says, are you okay? Aren't you lonely? Oh my God. (laughs) So, but that's not even the coincidence. So that's sort of the evidence that this child was the Mm -hmm. reincarnation of her, her previous child. But before he was born. 
she had had this dream. Um, this was actually, yeah, it was before she even knew she was pregnant. She had had this dream that she was listening to her favorite band um, play this new beautiful song that she'd never heard before. Then two days later in real life, she turns on the TV and the band happens to be on TV and they're playing a song that she's never heard before. Mm-hmm. And she listens to it and it has lyrics about um, like being, being separated from someone you love, but then I'm going to come back to you. Something yeah. it, it definitely suggested reincarnation mm-hmm. to her and she connected it very much with her deceased child. Yeah. And it was just a few days after that, it was within a week, I think, um, that she discovered she was pregnant with her son. Interesting. So there's like this continuity of the child is dying, says that they're going to communicate. Then there's this coincidence. Then the new child sort of confirms it with this little letter. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. I had, when I was pregnant with Megan, I asked for a dream uh, about where we had known her before. So I dreamed that I was in a warehouse all by myself. I went into labor. My water broke. Megan was born. I picked her up. And she opened her eyes and she says, Iceland. I thought, oh, great. What does this mean? <laughs> but it took me about 18 years to actually figure out what it meant. And when she was in college, she went to a medium. And Rob and I went to and we had readings with the woman. So I, I, she said, do you have any questions? So I told her about this dream. I said, I'd like to know what that meant. So she went into trance and she said it was, re- Iceland isn't Iceland. She said it was referring to a Norwegian country where Megan was our aunt and had taken us in because our parents had died and raised Rob and me, who were, who were siblings. And she said, and this life for Megan is her payback <laughs> because she had taken us in. So that was the answer. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's so interesting. So when, when during your pregnancy did you have the dream? Did you ask uh, for About six pregnancy? months in. Six months, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sharon, uh, you talk about synchronicity as serving as guidance, showing that uh, we're on the right path. But isn't it true that some synchronicities can be warning signs, suggesting that if we don't change our path, uh, we're going to encounter difficulties? But how do we know which it is, the right path or the wrong path? <laughs> <laughs> After well, for five weeks, Sharon, you knew. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think at some point the synchronicities make one path impossible for you. Um, but actually, you know, along those lines, let me share another um, synchronicity that happened to me uh, several years before that, because it's one of those sort of ambiguous ones mm. that you have to use your intuition to figure out. Uh, so about five years before the GPS stuff, I had decided to leave academia and I, it was actually right after that, that my ex and I separated. And so in the wake of that separation, I was wondering, well, did I do the right thing to leave academia? Like maybe I should go back. Like maybe I've bitten off more than I can chew and trying to, you know, make my own way, um, as an independent writer and researcher. So while I was questioning all of this, I decided to go and look at the website where jobs for philosophers are always listed. In fact, the publication is called Jobs for Philosophers. That's very subtle. <laughs> um, so I knew that it was actually past the time when you could apply for jobs because there's like a pretty strict cutoff every year. 
um, for jobs that are coming up for the, the following fall. So I knew that I couldn't apply for any of them, but I was like, well, if I go on there and I see that there weren't any good jobs this year anyway, then I won't feel bad about my decision. <laughs> so, so I go on the website. I know it's kind of silly. Uh, so I go on the website and, um, and I find this job uh, that is in my area of specialty, metaethics. It is in Virginia, which is my home state where I was living at that time. So it was um, at James Madison University in in the mountains of Virginia, like just a gorgeous area. Um, and I had some other connections to the area. And I was like, well, this just really looks like the perfect job. Uh, and then I read in there that this one position uh, actually has an extended deadline and it. There's still two weeks before you wow. have to apply for it. <laughs> I was like, okay, well, I guess that's my sign. I guess I'm supposed to apply for this. Um, so that's I went sad. through the whole rigmarole of like updating my resume, updating my reference letters and everything. So I had put all of this together. Uh, there was even like this extra coincidence where I, I needed to get all of this stuff to my, um, alma mater in New York. And it turned out that I had already planned a trip to New York to see a friend. So I was like, well, I can just hand it in, you know, in person, I guess this is meant to be. Well, when I get up there to New York to visit my friend, I just like, I just kept putting off going to hmm. NYU to hand in this stuff. I just kept putting it off and putting it off. And finally it's the last day that I'm there and I'm just like sitting, having breakfast um, at my in my friend's apartment. He's already gone off to work, and I'm just sitting there by myself. I'm looking out his window. Um, he lived in Lower Manhattan. So the buildings are super close together. I'm looking out his window, and like about 20 feet away, there's this office building, and I just see these people in there in their offices working, and it reminds me of being in an office in academia and sort of this whole process of interviewing that I'm gonna have to go through. Mm -hmm. And I just had this feeling of just dread and just <laughs> like, I just, Oh, I just, I just like, I don't want to do this. I just don't want to do this. And so at that moment I was like, I don't care what the signs from the universe are. It's like, I am not, I'm not turning in this application. And once I decided that I, like I, put the application in the corner. I went out, you know, that day into the city with, I didn't even have it with me. And I just felt so much lighter. I just felt so wow. good. Um, yeah, so that's a good one. Yeah. <laughs> so, so it's your intuition really, uh, kind of defied these coincidences that were leading you on that path, or maybe there was some reason for you to follow those coincidences and then decide not to. I do. I do. I think that's exactly what it was. I think because I was questioning in myself, mm -hmm. well, should I have done this? It was like the universe laid out the perfect job for me uh -huh. and said, okay, well, you think maybe you should go back into academia. How about this job? And so <laughs> I actually like, you know, had to prepare for it and imagine it in my, you know, in myself, what this was going to be like. And I realized with no doubt whatsoever in my mind that that is not what I wanted. Mm, and so mm. I think this coincidence gave me the opportunity to be absolutely sure. Mm. And since that day, I have, I have never regretted that decision. Huh. And I have never second guessed it whatsoever. I have been, I've been so happy with that decision. So it's so interesting. You looked into a window and that was the visual that helped you make your choice. Mm. I never Other, thought about the symbolic yeah. aspect of that. Well, there's something else interesting about that. So, um, 
I have a, my coincidence number is 33 that I tend to see everywhere. And there's a long story behind that, but, um, but that's my number. And the evening after I made that decision not to turn in my application, I went out to dinner with my friend and I told him about how I decided not to turn in my application. And, and I was telling him about all the 33s I'd been seeing around the, the, the city too. Like it was, it was, it was a good day for coincidences. So then we're heading back towards his apartment and he's an architectural journalist. And so he was like pointing out some of the different buildings in the area and he, um, points to this one. He tells me that it was designed by Philip Johnson and all of this. And I'm looking at it and I was like, that looks like the building that I was looking at this morning when I made this decision. <laughs> I was like, this is right across from your apartment, isn't it? And he was like, yeah, it is. And then I look down at the plaque at the entrance and the address of this building is 33 Maiden Lane. Wow. Well, you know what's interesting about that number? In the I Ching, 33 is hex. A hexagram 33 means retreat. Retreat. Interesting. Retreat. Yeah. So, as yeah. As said that, retreat, I thought, wow, right. that really, that is fascinating. Huh. Yeah. Well, thank it for all that extra symbolism. I hadn't thought yeah, about sure. the window and the the I Ching connection is fascinating. Yeah. So probably one of the best known synchronicities related to Carl Jung, uh, who coined the term, involves a scarab beetle uh, which a patient uh, tells of a dream about a piece of jewelry featuring a scarab beetle. And at that moment, a scarab beetle bangs against the window and Jung, Carl Jung catches it. And uh, it's a turning point in the patient's recovery. You write about a scarab beetle synchronicity as well. Can you tell us about that one? Sure. So trying to think, I think this happened maybe um, a year or two after the thing with the phone in France. Um, it yeah. was definitely after I had really started researching coincidences, um, basically full time. Um, and I was sitting outside my house reading a really fascinating book uh, called An Atheist in Heaven, which is full of really cool coincidences. Um, it's a great title. Yeah, that is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's about... Uh, uh, Forrest J. Ackerman, after he, he totally did not believe in an afterlife, but after he died, he started playing all these pranks mind. on, if he started playing all these <laughs> pranks on his friends. Uh, so there's a lot of really cool, like psychokinetic coincidences and oh, things in there. Um, yeah, it's definitely worth a read. It's really cool. So I was sitting outside a beautiful day, like reading this book, and it just got me thinking about not just the coincidences in my own life, but the pattern that they formed uh -huh. because there are these big themes. And so I was thinking about that and this phrase came into my head, it's bigger than you know. Hmm. Like it's, yeah, you've only yeah. dipped your toe in the water. Like it's bigger than you know. And right after I had that thought, I got up to go inside and uh, I was barefoot and I stepped on the, the mat outside of my front door and I could feel that there was a lump in the mat which was really strange. And immediately the thought crossed my mind. I need to look under there because there could be something that's a coincidence. <laughs> so, okay. Um, I love it. Yeah. So I've been down, I pull up the mat and there's this huge uh, scarab beetle. Um, it turned out it's actually a, a rhinoceros beetle, which is part of the scarab family. Right. Um, but it's like, it's massive. I'd never seen a beetle this big. Like it was a, fully an inch long, three quarters of an inch wide, um, 
just really big. And it didn't actually occur to me at first, the symbolism of it. I was just like, wow, this is fascinating. Cause I love the natural world. I love, um, yeah, I, I love all of that stuff. I've, I garden a lot. I just love being in nature. So I just thought this is a really cool beetle. And then I was like, Oh, wait a minute. This is a, this is a, this is a scarab beetle. <laughs> this is the symbol of coincidences <laughs> and it's a really big one. So it's bigger than you knew beetles could get. <laughs> so it was perfect. I just, I, I felt it. like somebody was laughing at me with that one, but um, yeah, that's almost a trickster, yeah. you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, like it just there's so much humor in it. I I think, yeah. Hmm. That is cool. We don't have any scarabs. <laughs> <laughs> Watch, we'll walk outside today and see a scarab or oh, something. You might. We, we saw a whole bunch of them. Remember when we were in Costa Rica and when we went into oh, that, yeah, butter, right. that butterfly place? Yeah. There was all these dead scarab beetles. Yeah, but that's not a good sign. <laughs> oh no, the dead scarabs. No. <laughs> Yeah, they're all dead. Well, but they are, but aren't they, they're symbols of, um, like rebirth. reincarnation. Yeah. Rebirth. Yeah. So right. I guess maybe a dead scarab isn't a terrible thing either. Okay, well, that's good. It's a sign that the, the cycle is beginning again. <laughs> oh, yours was dead too, wasn't it? <laughs> it was. Yes, it was. Okay. Yep. Right. Hmm. That's true. Um, I know you're familiar with the uh, Michael Shermer wedding synchronicity involving a radio. Um, uh, we found this one really interesting because of who he is. Can you talk about that? <laughs> yeah, so it is really interesting that uh, he wrote about this since he is uh, known as a skeptic. Um, mm -hmm. He, I think, was founder, editor of Skeptic Magazine. Yeah. Um, yeah, and maybe still is. Yeah, I think so. Uh, yeah, so he's written very skeptically about certainly synchronicities and all kinds of paranormal things. But he wrote this article in Scientific American 2014, I think it was, mm -hmm. where he told about this thing that happened on the day that he got married um, recently. I mean, it was a later in life marriage. So his uh, wife was from Germany. Uh, they were getting married in California. Um, she was far from, you know, her family, I guess some of them had probably flown there to be with her, but she was particularly missing her grandfather who had been like a father to her. Uh, and, but he had died when she was a teenager. And so obviously, I mean, he wasn't there at least in, um, body. So she was missing her grandfather. And what I think had mentioned to Michael that morning, she's like, I really wish that my granddad was here. Mm -hmm. Um, and it was, I think it was maybe three months before their wedding, like as they were making preparations for their new life together, she had gotten a shipment of a lot of her stuff from Germany there to California. And one of the things that had come in the shipment was a radio that had belonged to her grandfather, a like 1970s transistor radio. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't working anymore. And because it was important to her, Michael had been trying to get it to work. Um, <laughs> Various ways. I think some of them were more subtle than others. <laughs> but he apparently, like, beat it on some stuff. <laughs> he said he called it percussive maintenance, trying to get it to come back to life. Uh, yeah. Um, so that didn't work. Uh, so they just, like, put it in a drawer in the bedroom and forgot about it. Well, the day of their wedding, so this is, like, three months later, the day of their wedding, 
uh, they have the ceremony and his wife has talked about, I wish my grandfather was here. And then they kind of go, they had this ceremony in their house. It was a very small affair. And then after the ceremony, they kind of go to the back of the house for a couple of minutes just to talk to each other and be alone for a minute. And they get to the back of the house and they hear music. There's like this love song playing and they're like, where is that coming from? And so they're just looking everywhere that they can. Um, I think he said like at one point they even checked to see whether the, the computer, the computer printer had a speaker and was <laughs> able to create music because they had no idea where this could be coming from. But then they finally discovered that it of course was the radio in this right. drawer that had suddenly decided to start working uh, and was playing this love song for their wedding. And actually continued to play all of that night, like played through the night. And then the next day, the day after their wedding, it stopped working and never it's worked again. Story. Up, yeah. yeah. But I, I don't understand how he then became a skeptic again. <laughs> Experiencing <laughs> something like that. Yeah, a couple of years later, he was back to his old ways. <laughs> well, you know, we have a really large capacity for denial. <laughs> Yeah, boy, that's for um, sure. And when something happens that is so far out of what we've come to expect or what we want to be true, it's pretty easy to put it back to put it back in the drawer. <laughs> There's the symbolism of putting the radio back in the yeah, drawer exactly. um, and just and forget about it. Because I mean, I that's happened to me in my own life. I. Once I started paying attention to coincidences and taking them seriously, I looked back at my life and I was like, well, these other crazy things happened to me. <laughs> like, why, why didn't I think about that more at the time? But I just kind of put them to the side because they really didn't fit with anything else that I knew about the world. And it was only later when I started to have a framework to put them in that I allowed myself to really think about them. Yeah. In depth. Mm. You had your own tour. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. So we recently had a synchronicity that's somewhat related to Shermer's, uh, but on a different level, but uh, and actually more modern. Uh, not a radio, but uh, Alexa. Uh, <laughs> uh huh. The voice of Alexa. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I had just finished. Uh, editing a proposal that Trish and I have written on a book called Report from the Mystical Underground, which is uh, a book we want to write and uh, send it off this week to our agent. But uh, so I just, you know, kind of relief uh, done with it. Turn off my light as midnight, walk into the kitchen. And then I noticed Trish is over by the television trying to do something. She said, I can't get the sound off. And then she there was no picture. <laughs> And then she realizes, no, that sound is coming from your room. So we walk back into to my office, and Alexa, it's not Alexa, coming, <laughs> coming from Alexa is, is this voice talking some, about something very similar to what I was writing about, about something about balance and harmony. And so we look I, at each other, I, yeah, say, uh -oh. I say, Alexa, what is that? <laughs> and she says, it's the reluctant. What's messenger? It's the reluctant messenger by Candace Sa uh, Sanderson. And <laughs> <What>? wow, <laughs> the thing, is, Candace. Candace, I I had written written about her in that proposal, uh, but I hadn't mentioned it, her name to Trish or anything. Yeah, Alexa and, couldn't have overheard that. No. And we do have her book, The Reluctant Messenger. However, uh, the next morning, I looked it up. 
and I wondering if we had the audio and it somehow came on and it says click to download audio. So we don't have the audio of that book, mm-hmm. but there it was uh, at midnight uh, telling us this uh, uh, <laughs> very strange. strange. Story. Uh, so, so that's my Michael Shermer <laughs> synchronicity. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Except we're not skeptics. <laughs> Um, In chapter six, which you call the experiencer, you tackle some of our favorite topics like telepathy, precognition, psychokinesis. Okay, have you experienced precognition? And if so, can you tell us about it? Yes. Um, So outside of coincidences, the, the way that I tend to have psychic experiences is generally through my dreams. Mm-hmm. Um, that's really the only place, other place that I'm good at tapping into it. Um, so I have had a lot of dreams that end up, um, being precognitive. Yeah. So, um, I think one of the most, uh, one of the most striking to me was one that happened exactly a year before, my ex's child was born, the one that mm. was associated with the, the phone coincidence. Mm-hmm. So exactly a year before the child was born to the day, I had this dream that I was on a train and I got a phone call from quote unquote, the man I loved. That was all I, the only way he was identified in the dream. Um, mm. But I got this phone call from him telling me that our child had just been born. Interesting. And I was all excited in a dream and I was like, Oh, I got to get off the train and go to him. And I didn't realize until I woke up, like how strange it was that our (laughs) child had been born and I wasn't giving birth to it. Like this was, (laughs) so I don't know how that was happening, but somehow he was alerting me to the fact that our child was being born. I was all excited. I was trying to get off the train, but then the train started moving in the station. Like I didn't get to the door in time. So the train is carrying me away. And I just like, just break down. I'm so mad and like, uh, sad and angry that I'm not going to be there for this, um, this birth, um, this mm-hmm. super, you know, this, this first in our life right. and I'm not going to be present. So when I had the dream, I just thought, you know, well, this is me dreaming about my feelings about our separation. You know, I'm still working through that a mm-hmm. few years later and you know, whatever, like it's yeah, clearly a dream about separation, but then a year later when to the day, uh, he actually has a child and I'm not present and I can't be there with him. I was like, Oh, this, Oh, this makes so much sense. And all of those weird aspects of the dream that I didn't understand about how I could not be there made so much sense. Um, Hmm. yeah, no, that's a, that's an interesting one. (laughs) And actually, so that's, that for me was clearly precognitive because it happened a year in right. advance. Other dreams that I've had, it's not clear to me if it's precognitive or if it's just telepathic, but I did also have a dream. Um, in fact, it was, it was right around the same time as the GPS thing. This was a very <laughs> wild, a wild couple of months. Um, I had a dream that another ex of mine, my high or not high school college boyfriend, uh, I had just had a very simple dream where he had his new baby in his arms and was bringing it to me to introduce me to his baby. I was like, Oh, well, isn't that nice? So when I went to my uh, weekend with my friends, uh, I I wasn't in in touch with 
that ex either, um, but some of my friends were. So I told them about the dream. I was like, I had this dream that he had a child he was introducing to me. Do you happen to know if he might have had a baby recently? And they're like, oh yeah, he did like a month or so ago. So I, I tend to get alerted to babies being born yeah, apparently. Interesting. Huh. Yeah. Tell, um, tell us a little bit about your memoir, The Supreme Victory of the Heart. So, and what prompted yeah. you to go from the synchronicity book to, to that? Yeah, so they're completely different genres. I mean, the synchronicity book is very, um, as Janice just straight nonfiction, like uh-huh. informational, and Supreme Victory of the Heart is is memoir. So it's written basically like a novel, but it's a true story. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it does. It involves basically my my first experiences with coincidences uh-huh. uh, surrounding uh, my separation from my French mm-hmm. uh, fiance. And as you all know very well, um, and as we've talked about a lot in the Coincidence Project, uh, synchronicities tend to come at these transitional moments in our right. lives. Uh, and that was certainly the case for me because that was a, the biggest transition that I had been through up until that time. So in the memoir, I really trying to to not only explain um, the separation that was happening mm-hmm. with my fiance and, and all of the emotional turmoil that went there, but also it's a, it's a memoir about a spiritual journey too, because I had, I grew up a Christian evangelical Christian, and mm-hmm. it was only in college that I realized that I didn't believe any of that anymore <laughs> and, and felt like there just wasn't any evidence for, God. I didn't feel like there was any evidence for, for anything except for the physical uh-huh. world. I, I became very physical materialistic. And it was only when I went through this separation uh, that I started to change that mindset and started to experience things that changed that mindset. Hmm. Uh, these coincidences that not only the coincidences themselves, but the whole feeling that came with them. There was like this, this intuition or this feeling of uh-huh of being cared for, of being accompanied and protected in the mm-hmm. midst of that really difficult time mm. that I, <clears throat> I realized that I, I did believe that there was something more, uh, that, that something else was showing itself to me that time. So it's the, the memoir is about that journey. It's uh-huh. because there's a lot of flashbacks to, to, you know, my early life to mm-hmm. the, the religion that I had grown up in and why I had abandoned that. And then how I was coming back, to, coming back to some kind of belief, but a different kind of uh-huh. different kind of belief, a more experientially based one. Mm. And I, I really think uh, at least in the, the religious environment that I had grown up in, a lot of people were very scared by the fact that I had become an atheist and thought this was, you know, terrible, <laughs> but I think it was a really important stage in my journey to be able to undo a lot of the more negative things that I had learned about God and the universe mm-hmm. and kind of come back to spirituality with a blank slate. Yeah, and that's interesting. Now, are your parents yeah. still alive? What do they think of mm-hmm. what you're doing now? Um, I think <laughs> for the, I think for the most part they're, uh, they're on board. Um, they, I think 
when you're talking about, you know, like uh, contact with the dead or right. things like that, that can get a little iffy um, mm-hmm. for evangelical Christians. What about reincarnation? Uh, I mean, yeah, I don't, th- I, I mean, I've talked <laughs> to them briefly about it. I, I think that's just kind of like, well, that's just Sharon being crazy. <laughs> like, yeah. I try to be like, but look at all of these scientific, all the scientific research that's been done for decades and decades. Um, but, you know, things like that, you, you have to be ready to actually look yeah. at the data. And, and it's not like, I mean, if they're not interested, then it's not important to them right now and their journey. It's not vital that they right. believe that. So, it, it, yeah. yeah. And since, since we mentioned the G word, uh, God, uh, <laughs> <laughs> a lot of people seem to think that's the source of synchronicity uh, and religious mm-hmm. people especially. But uh, Trish and I generally uh, avoid getting going there because it, it seems to confuse the issue to us. It, mm. it gets tied up in religion. But um, yeah, how do you feel about that? I I do think that it can confuse the issue a lot, um, and that's it's part of the reason that one of the earliest chapters in my book is about this idea of God causing coincidences. Because uh-huh. there are so many books out there, especially from a Christian perspective, that mm-hmm. say you know this is these are God winks or this is right. you know, God yeah. leading you along the path. Which, in a lot of cases, that works as an interpretation because I do think that the force that's behind most of the the coincidences we experience is a positive, a benevolent intelligent Mm -hmm. force. And so identifying it with God, okay, that works. But then you do get those cases where it's a little bit more complicated, especially when you have coincidences that seem to be leading you um, down uh, the wrong path or seem to be testing you in some way. Or like I talk about in my book, um, these coincidences that happened to Stanislav Grof uh, that led yeah, him those, to those are great. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that led him to marry someone. Like, because there was just like this explosion of coincidences, and obviously, like he just really hit it off with this woman, and uh, it all just seemed so meant to be. And then they have this magnificent uh, wedding that just you know they're these this double rainbow, all of this amazing stuff that happens, and then the next day it's just like the marriage falls apart and yeah. it never gets put back together well, again. Yeah. So if you think, well, uh, you know, all coincidences are caused by God, then that might, you might start questioning your faith at that point. <laughs> like, what, what, what happened here? So I think it is important to look a little bit m- more deeply and realize that even if, even if there is an overarching intelligence, and I do think that there is, I think there's something <laughs> that we might put the label God on, there, there are all sorts of other phenomena uh, that can influence us paranormally, psychically, um, that you have to be a little bit more, um, careful about, (laughs) yeah, well, yeah, you have to, (laughs) right. You just have to, you have to realize that it's, it's not necessarily an omnipotent being that has your best interests at heart. You need to be wary. You need to, you know, use your own good judgment in responding to them. (laughs) And of course, if God creates everything, as they say, then uh, he creates synchronicity. <laughs> and as you wrote, uh, he also created the Holocaust. <laughs> right. Right. So, I mean, whoever, whoever is in charge of everything, I mean, they <laughs> they presumably they've foresaw these things and somehow that's part of their plan. Right. Um, hmm. Yeah. But, but, but then also, it doesn't yeah, tell us that much also, about 
Yeah. Who God is. You also mentioned his angels and guides as uh, another possible source, too, of synchronicities. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, for, I think for me, this is also very tied into, well, there, there are two things. So it seems like a lot of the synchronicities that are tied to angels or to guides are synchronicities of protection. Uh-huh. Uh, uh-huh protecting people in paranormal ways, but also are very connected to destiny and life plan. There seem to be certain things that we're meant to do. And maybe this brings in the the protection stuff too. And when something's going to happen to us, that's not part of our life plan, then we're protected from that supernaturally. Uh And that can help explain too, why uh, some people aren't protected because, you know, the big question that comes as well if angels exist and angels can protect so and so from this terrible you know dying this terrible wreck well why didn't they protect this other person yeah but i think favoritism (laughs) right and and it's not favoritism it's that different people have different things that they're supposed to do yeah here and if you haven't accomplished what you're supposed to accomplish then you're not going to be allowed to die yet (laughs) (laughs) i've got one other question um you write about, uh, use the term self-produced synchronicities. What is that about? Can you explain? So we have, as you guys well know, we have a lot of psychic abilities. Each of us, uh, even those of us who don't think of ourselves as very psychic, we we have our telepathic moments. We have our um, moments of precognitive intuition, uh, even, you know, Various laboratory studies have shown that people can influence uh, random physical processes with just their intentions. Mm-hmm. So we all have this ability to some degree. And I think that does tend to create coincidences around us. So, for instance, a, a really common example is where you dream about something and then it happens. Right. So, people who don't know much about these kinds of phenomena would say, well, that's quite a coincidence. You know, that's, but (laughs) the thing is your mind knew that this was going to happen. And so it was kind of preparing you through it, through giving you this dream. Mm -hmm. So that's, I tend to think of that as a self-created coincidence. It's Mm -hmm. created by your own ability to see into the future and prepare your own ability to tap into the field. Yeah. 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 Another way of, uh, possibly producing a synchronicity is to ask yourself, ask a question, put out a question that you want an answer for. And then as you go all into the world, look what first comes to you uh, as an image, uh, a something, sound, uh, something on the television, radio, uh, something somebody says to you and try to use that to interpret an answer to your question. Mm, mm-hmm. Yeah. As in, and that's, that's an intentionally produced coincidence right. too. And I think, yeah, once you realize that this is going on, then you can sort of harness it and mm-hmm. um, yeah, use it in a more intentional way. Of course, that may be moving into the realm of cause and effect, which would be outside of synchronicity though, but. Well, how though? Well, but because I, you ask the question and look for an answer and cause effect. But I tend to think, I, I don't know that I'm with Jung on the a-causal nature of synchronicity. I, I think... I think there's a lot of causality involved in things that we call synchronicity. Um, it's just sometimes a weirder kind of causality. <laughs> <than> <laughs> sure. we, like sometimes it's, 
you know, it's retro causation. It's our future (laughs) causing our present or, you know, so it's, it's not what we were taught about in physics 101, but it's, I think there is still the, in most cases you could have, you can identify, well, this is where the intention was coming from. And then it created this effect. Yeah. Yeah, I'm just thinking about that. We're going to have you back on, Sharon. (laughs) (laughs) I would love that. Um, Tell people where they can find your book, your website. Um, Yeah, sure. So um, both of my books are available on Amazon or really anywhere online that you buy books. Uh, The Source and Significance of Coincidences is the really big comprehensive book on coincidences. And then The Supreme Victory of the Heart is my memoir. And you can also find me... Uh, my website, uh, if you Google my name, Sharon Hewitt Rollette, you will find it easily, but it's SharonRollette.wordpress.com. And Rollette is spelled A-R, sorry, it is spelled, <laughs> <laughs> can't even spell my own name. It is spelled R-A-W-L-E-T-T-E. That's funny. Yes. <laughs> Sounds French. <laughs> yeah, it does sound French. Yeah, it, yeah, I think it was uh, several generations back. Yeah. <laughs> Okay. Well, thank you so much for thank coming you. on. This has just been great. Yeah. It's, thank you so much for lot. having me. It's 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 great to talk about coincidence with it really people is. who really know the subject. <laughs> yeah, I just found your book to be such an incredible resource for everything. Yeah. You know, you there's, I mean, it's so it's so vast. <laughs> yeah, so many great examples. Yeah. And, uh, very well documented. Yeah. Rob says to yeah. me this morning. He says, "Listen, if we're ever lacking for blog posts." Sharon's book's got everything. (laughs) (laughs) Well, good. I'm glad that you, I'm glad that even you all who have written so much on these topics, you find things uh, that are new to you. So that's great. That was great. Thank you. Okay. And see you at the Coincidence Project. Yes. (laughs) Okay. Very good. Thanks again, Sharon. Yes. Thank you guys. And we'll send you the link when it goes up. Wonderful. Okay. Take care. Bye now. Thanks so much. Bye. Thanks for joining The Mystical Underground. Visit www.themysticalunderground.com for the latest blog post and book info. Subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or your favorite podcast app. Listen to the podcast at podcast.themysticalunderground.com. Follow Trish and Rob on Instagram at Trish and Rob McGregor. Follow us on Twitter at The Mystic Cast. Send email to podcast at themysticalunderground.com. And until next week, thank you for listening and stay mystical. Mystical.